Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to Between the Links. With your host, Mike Peck. Thank you, Esther Lynn, for another fantastic introduction as we welcome you to a brand new episode of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. We have a lot to discuss, as always. Bellator returned on Friday night. The UFC wrapped up their Fight Island slate of events on Saturday night, and there was a lot to come out of that event. And, of course, the UFC is back in Las Vegas this Saturday, Contender Series is about to kick off next week, so there's a lot going on in the sport. So let's just get right into this thing. Let's introduce the panel. First, the challenger. He's been talking some trash throughout the week, the self-proclaimed king of hot takes from MMAfighting.com. Mr. Jed Mishu makes his Between the Leagues debut. How are you, Jed? I am doing fantastic because Alex Kaylee, he's going down. You guys have been hiding him. You've been protecting your champion. No more. The king is here. Long may he reign. Love it. Introducing the man who holds the most coveted title in all of MMA media, the reigning, defending, undisputed between the links champion, also from MMAfighting.com, Mr. Alex K. Lee. It's been a minute, sir. I feel like we do this, have these conversations like every day of the week at this point. How are you? Look at this face right here. All right. You see this expression here? This is my expression when I am put into the ring with a, with a man who, has, who, does, who does not care about rules. He does not care about morals. He will do anything to win. So I hope the viewers appreciate what's about to happen here. I will defend my title, but I, I know I will walk out lesser than I was before, even if I am victorious. Wow, setting the table beautifully. And if you are new to the program, I'm not going over the rules, so head back in the archives to figure out how this works. But I think you'll pick it up pretty quickly if this is the first time you're checking it out. But let's start with Saturday night's main event in the Octagon, UFC on ESPN 14. Robert Whitaker gets a unanimous decision win over Darren Till. Jed, you won the blind draw this week, so we're going to begin with you. There were a lot of questions about Robert Whitaker heading into this fight. He had the two wars with Yal Romero. The second fight, he took just an incredible amount of damage, had a lot of injuries and crazy things that have happened along the way, gets knocked out by Israel Adesanya in October. So there were some concerns about him coming back. People were wondering if he's still the same guy who won and defended the middleweight title. Did that performance from Robert Whitaker in a very competitive fight, did that lead you to believe that he could get back to the top of his division once again and regain that title? I'm going to couch here. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two answers. One, I do think that performance showed us something. It showed us something important, and that's that he's not done yet. Uh, Yoel Romero, my pick, I've made no bones about it. I think he has been the best middleweight in the world for quite some time until Israel Adesanya came on. Uh, I think that 50 minutes that they fought could really have affected Robert Whitaker, but we showed that he can take a punch. He took that elbow in the first round, came back totally fine. However, Bobby Knuckles ain't getting the title back. That's that's not a, a knock on him. I think he's one of the best fighters in the world. Israel Adesanya is, is just better. Even if you want to take Bobby Knuckles as, at his word and say, yeah, you know, maybe that wasn't your best effort you gave him. You still got knocked out in two and almost won. Do it again. Maybe you see the final bell, but 
at the end, Last Stylebender is still going to hold this, the belt. So, you know, it, it's not a me versus AK situation where he can come back and, you know, win the title. This is just a better guy, and, and that's me. I'm the Israel Adesanya of, of this program, and uh, that's just where we are. Wow. AK, shots fired right away. What do you think? I hate to say it because I am somewhat in agreement that I don't know if there's a snare where he beats Adesanya. It's just stylistically and how good Adesanya is. It's it's not great for Whitaker. But but the question was, is he uh, you know, does he did he look like ready to like he could win the title again? And pardon my language, but you are gosh darn right that I think Whitaker uh, is back in that. Because because let's say uh, Costa proves to be the foil for uh, Adesanya. Again, I, I, I think I would pick Adesanya, but the guy with Costa's power, you never know. I could definitely see Whitaker beating Costa. You know, we know we know MMA is about matchups, right? So depending on how things shake out with that with that fight, uh, Jared Cannonier getting the next title shot, I, I would pick, I would like Whitaker's chances against him as well. So did he show enough? Yeah, we, we saw vintage Whitaker. We saw all the stuff we know from Whitaker. Toughness, got knocked down in round one uh, and came back to put on a very strong performance. Uh, patience, which we did not see in the Adesanya fight, although a lot of people were disappointed in that. So we saw the patience, we saw him uh, very technical and, and against a and against an opponent who could match him in, in that aspect. So that was important to see. Uh, we didn't see maybe quite, quite the power where, where we like to see. I think he did have a knockdown, which was good. And the other thing we saw was that mindset, because he'd been off for so long and, and publicly spoke about being burnt out. And he was just so so uh, a positive pre-fight and post-fight and so great to watch. So mentality-wise, I think he's back too. So again, I'm not saying he would beat Edison yet if they fought tomorrow, but do I think he could win a title again if the cards fell the right way? Yeah, he's his skills are right there and that performance convinced me. I thought he fought a very smart fight. It seemed like he was able to figure out Darren Till's game pretty quickly and that led to a win. So let me ask you this, AK, because I feel like in a way, both guys' stock rose in that fight. Like this was Darren Till's second fight at 185 pounds. He did beat Calvin Gaslam. Wasn't the the, the the wildest fight of all time, but rather than slowly move up the rankings after the Gaslam fight, build himself up in this division, he went for one of the toughest fights out there in Robert Whitaker. So in the grand scheme of things, AK, whose stock rose more in that fight? And, and maybe, maybe I'll present it this way. Who are fans clamoring to see again more after Saturday night, Robert Whitaker or Darren Till? I still think it's Whitaker. I thought Till accommodated himself very well, for sure. Uh, he proved a lot of people. Uh, I think he proved a lot of people that, like you said, like he deserves to be here. There was like a little bit of controversy over the Gaslam fight, but not much. I think I think most people thought he won, but it also wasn't a super dominant performance. So I don't think argue, people would argue against that either. Even though he said, I think he said I, I, he easily beat Gaslam, which I don't know how accurate that is. But um, I think people want to see both. I think I think the stock went up for both. But I'll go with I'll go with Whitaker because he definitely needed the win to show that, as we discussed, he's still of that caliber that he that something wasn't lost in the Disney fight and, and wasn't completely lost in the two in the two Romero fights. So he's he was already a fan favorite before. You know, people love uh, love the Reaper. And I think he's just a little bit ahead of Till as far as who who, who do people want to see fight again. I will go with Whitaker. Jed, your thoughts. I mean, they say a blind squirrel finds a nut every now and again, and I guess AK found one because because he's correct. It, it's definitely Whitaker here. I mean, look God love Darren Till. He's fun on the mic. He's an interesting character with a lot a big personality. But I think a thing that has slid under the radar here is he's not much fun to watch fight. He is fun at the moment that he gets the big knockdown or gets the finish, but he is very slow paced. He does not throw a lot of strikes. And in that fight with Whitaker just this past weekend, you saw, I think he ended up throwing something like two, two and a half strikes per minute that that's just not and while he does throw with power it's not the kind of haymakers that a casual fan can even just 
you know, grab onto and be like, yeah, he's swinging for it. It He's not that much fun to watch. The, the thing that draws is that he does have a huge personality and he does get those finishes. But if he's not getting them, then then you're not going to be left thinking, man, I really want to see Darren Till fight again. I don't think you're thinking that too much with Robert Whitaker here either, if we're being honest. I mean, it was a good performance, tactical, smart, but that's not the kind of performance that's going to get people to stand up and notice. And I know this in part because I watched that event with a bunch of friends of mine over the weekend who aren't into fighting. It's not their thing. And the things they took away were Jameev, uh, the Trinaldo knockout, not man, Robert Whitaker. So he's going to get a big, a bit of a boost because people do love Bobby Knuckles and just wanted to see him get back in the win column. And so we'll get a little bit more than till in that regard. But I don't think this fight really made either person jump out as somebody that people are dying to see again. In the end, middleweight is, is a very interesting division. Adesanya versus Costa is going to be a great fight. The build to it should be a lot of fun, but in terms of this particular matchup right here on BTL, the point is going to go to the challenger, Jed Mishu. He is on the board. You've used it. Hold on. There was there was definitely a low blow in that round. Uh, he definitely more than glanced the cup. That's your one, Jed. That's your one low blow. You've got, you've got your warning. You've got what? your warning. Have you watched fighting? I get like three of those. Before no, no, no. I, I, watch this. Watch, I'm just saying, watch it. Watch those kicks. They're a little, they're a little low. They're a little low. You're Check not, the, hands. the next time the hands are coming out like have, this, Mike, the oh, fingers are, the fingers are extended. The fingers are clearly extended. We still have three more regulation questions of this, ladies and gentlemen. We ain't so, going to need them. That's it. Let's, let's move ahead to probably, it, this might be the biggest story to come out of Saturday night's event on Fire Island. We saw Francisco Trinaldo drop Jai Herbert, who fell, like just even thinking about the way he fell down. It was pretty scary the way he hit the mat. And Trinaldo stands over his opponent, waiting for Herb Dean to stop the fight. Herb Dean doesn't stop the fight, so Trinaldo had to land more shots before the the fight was eventually waved off. And during all of this, Dan Hardy is screaming for Herb Dean to stop this fight. And him and Herb had words after which you've all seen the, the videos by now of Herb Dean and, and Dan Hardy having their very interesting conversation. Both guys have made statements since, and the UFC is apparently going to be investigating this incident. So AK, we're going to start with you here. You saw it all unfold on Saturday night. You've seen both statements from Dean and Hardy. Who is right in your opinion? It's, gosh, it's it's a bit harsh to say someone was right. Oh, sorry, is my video on? Hey guys, so you, you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. Okay, it's a bit harsh to say, uh, Either if either man was right or wrong, but I and and I have a feeling, Jed or I might be somewhat on the same page on this one. So it's just going to come between who can yell louder between us. But I am fully on Team Hardy here. I I uh, I think he was right about the stoppage. I think his behavior, while yes, somewhat unprofessional, was also appropriate given what happened. Uh, the discussion after, I guess we don't know the details of, but I have no issue with them if they had to have a little tete-a-tete, you know, uh, right after. I, I, I believe, I don't know if, if, Hard, if uh, Herb went over to him or if Hardy beckoned him to come over, but there was a face-to-face discussion after. And then, uh, of course, the responses afterwards on social media, which I thought was fine, fine on both ends. Uh, so, no, I'm all for Team Hardy. Look, uh, I, I understand... Uh, I understand people are saying it's not his place to necessarily call a fight, and it's amplified so much now that there's no crowd. You know, uh, guys, uh, we hear announcers scream stuff all the time, but when an announcer screams something like, stop the fight in an empty arena, 
it 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 is kind of jarring, and and you have to imagine uh, Herb heard it, and and Herb Herb, uh, Herb heard it, and uh, and was able to I, I filter it out, obviously, or or actively ignore it. We don't know. Maybe heard it, and then and then said, no, oh, no, I'm not letting that decide what's what's happening here. Uh, so no, I thought Hardy was fine because look, and uh, I'm writing about this a bit more for the site, but the UFC loves it when they're their commentators who are fighter, you know, they're fighters have these crazy reactions to knockouts. Like, Oh, they get out of their chair. What a cool thing to share on social media. But guess what? There's another side to it too. You don't just get those, those funny, cute reactions. You got to take these real reactions too. And that's what you're paying them for. And that's what Hardy gave them. So, uh, did, did, was it unprofessional by, uh, I don't know, school journalism, broadcasting standards, maybe, but by UFC or, and professional sports standards. No, it was great. Jed, what do you think? Because maybe the question is who was right, maybe who was more right, because I think you can make arguments for both guys. I mean, both men are definitely in the wrong here. I, I think AK honestly did touch on a lot of a lot of the salient points here. Uh, Dan Hardy, you know, that is just a lot of that's a, a visceral reaction to what's going on. How many times have we heard Joe Rogan in the booth say, oh, stop the fight, stop the fight? Totally fair. And in that instance, yeah fight should have been stopped. So I guess we can start right there. Herb Dean's defense of his stoppage is categorically insane. Uh, <laughs> like that. I know that Alex wants to say, Hey, it might be too harsh to say, but no, that's just an insane argument. Like I think Herb Dean has been a good ref for a very long time, whether he's still a good ref that's up for a lot of argumentation by and large. I do think he mostly makes good calls. That's a really bad call objectively everyone can see it and him doubling down on that it just puts him further in the wrong he needs to just own up raise his hand say yeah you know i missed that one and then he can say it was a little bit difficult because of dan hardy yelling and, and these other sorts of things but i made a mistake i'm gonna own that he didn't choose to do that and that's wrong however his comments about hardy they have some grounding. I, I think you can't knock Dan for his immediate reaction of, of saying, stop the fight, stop the fight, because I think everyone with a bit of empathy was thinking that while they were watching it. But him, you know, jumping to the top of the cage and, and calling out Dan, uh, Herb and, and sort of having that tete-a-tete with him right there, that feels like that's definitely a, a bridge too far. And is that something Dan Hardy would have done if it's, you know, a fighter he has no real relationship with, doesn't know at all? Uh, in an arena filled with fans? I, I think probably not. I think the circumstances made him a little more uh, attuned to what was going on, and then he wanted to to act on that, and his actions there are wrong as well. So nobody wins. Everybody's a loser here, especially, as we're all forgetting, especially Jai Herbert, who took four unnecessary shots from a man-beast named Francisco Trinaldo. Jed, let me go back to you because you, 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 you made an interesting point, and you also wrote up Monday's morning report for the site, and legendary referee John McCarthy waited on the situation and said that Herb Dean was in a can't-win scenario, even throughout the notion that, and you alluded to this yourself, that part of the reason Hardy was upset with the situation was because Herbert is from England, there's a relationship there. And there was, I don't know, you probably saw this yourself, there was a lot of criticism of Hardy's commentary throughout the night on social media when it came to fights that involved some of the English fighters. So perhaps some bias, perhaps. But what did you make of John's statement on the matter? I, uh, again, nobody wins. Uh, John's statement, I, I wrote this morning and he said, you know, Herb Dean was in a can't win situation. I think the only person who was in a can't win situation was Jai Herbert because he physically could not win given what Masaran Duba had just done to him. Uh, and I, I don't know why Big John jumping in and defending her because to me, this seems incredibly obvious. I recognize that in real time, things are a lot harder and 
you know, that's one of those situations where I'd be willing to, you know, forgive and forget Herb Dean. Bad stoppages happen in MMA. It's a really difficult job. Like being an MMA referee, it's being a referee in any sport. It's a thankless job. If you do your job super well, no one will give you credit. And if you ever screw up, you are going to be the talk of the town. So I understand that, you know, Herb Dean is put in a bad spot by nature of his job. But how does anyone think that stoppage is good? <laughs> I just don't get it. He's not, his legs aren't moving. Yes, his arms are across his face. But if I get knocked unconscious and my arms flop in front of my face, that's not an intelligent defense. Herb Dean's defense of his stoppage was not an intelligent defense. Everyone loses. No one wins. Sorry, AK. I think that that's totally fine to be harsh right now. All right, AK, John McCarthy comes out. And I think even on Saturday Night in the Post Show, we all were like, what's John McCarthy going to say about all this? He has spoke at his piece. What did you make of McCarthy's comments? Well, uh, you know, the thing I like about Big John is he's not going to be afraid to criticize referees. I remember uh, when I spoke to him about Dan Mergliata with the stuff with uh, with Michael Venom Page with MVP. And he was very frank about kind of how Dan, uh, Big Dan handles his business, things like that. So uh, I wasn't surprised to see if I recall the tone, he was uh, mostly defensive of Herb. Is, is that right? Yes. Yeah. And that doesn't surprise me. Um, I, I, I disagree kind of with his assessment. He kind of took that tack of, you know, Herb's closest and and and, and kind of defended sort of what Herb said, like uh, the end of the sign, the leg up, um, I find very strange because uh, – sorry, can you hear This is the truck. I was say, the, the, the truck's, the truck's chiming in and um, I'm just going to – Keep a freeze frame on Alex right now. <laughs> so, Alex, are you frozen right now? Or this is this how you look? It's a good look if it's how you look, AK. Okay. All right. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I don't know what is going. It is. It is extra bad this week. Oh gosh. I'm not gonna lie. I'm also. I've also been like kind of just pulling my like my 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 motor because I don't want to deal with Jed. But um, uh, I, I was. <laughs> As I was just saying that uh, I'm not surprised Big John stood up for, even though he is pretty frank with his assessment of other officials, I'm not surprised that he stood up for Herb. I, of course, they're friends. And also, like we said, he's a veteran. You know, for, for whatever reason, uh, Herb keeps getting high profile gigs. Uh, he also got the, the main event. Let's not forget he was the official in the main event uh, on Saturday. So there, there's a respect there. And they seem to be willing to overlook some of these more egregious late and early stoppages. Uh, that he has on his record, so I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't love uh, McCarthy's assessment because he, like I, was, I think I was, I was saying, he backed up the hands up as a defense, leg up as an intelligent defense. Which, like again, anyone watching the clip, only by the most literal definition of having those limbs up, was he defending himself? But Jed or I could be in there with a fighter cowering on the ground with my hand up. I'm clearly not intelligently defending myself. And, and anyone who watched the clip will see Trinaldo literally just grabs uh, Herbert's right left arm and very gently like lowers it. There's no resistance. There's no tension. Uh, and then unfortunately had to deliver those uh, two or three punches after. So I, I didn't mind Big John's defense, but I, I feel like I'm not sure if he had the best read of the situation. I'm not really sure what's going to come out of this quote unquote investigation from the UFC. I'm kind of curious to see what comes out of it, but it is an interesting story nonetheless. The point goes to, and this is kind of one of those questions where it just kind of paid to go first. So AK is on the board. Jed had some great arguments, made this pretty interesting. But uh, let's move ahead to the question I'm most excited about. 
Bellator got back to action on Friday night with Bellator 242. Sergio Pettis defeats Ricky Bandejas in the main event. Jason Jackson defeats Jordan Meehan in the co-main event. But the big story was Aaron Pico's first round submission win over Solo Hatley Jr. Jed, we're going to start with you. And listen, Bellator got their first card back on the books. Was it the greatest card on paper? No. Was it the greatest card in execution? No. But they did what they could with what was available. With all that in mind, what would you grade their first efforts in this uh, COVID-19 era? Look, all due respect to AK, that's a championship performance. Lost the first round, comes back, puts one on the board. This is where I'm going to really start to step away from him because I think I may have written more about Bellator than anyone else on this site. <laughs> I've done most of their event coverage for, at this point, a couple of years. Uh, I know a lot about them, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and just not really talk about Bellator in this regard because I I would give them a C. I mean, at the end of the day, the Bellator event was totally fine. It's good to see Sergio Pettis kind of be where they want him to be. They're trying, obviously, to get him a belt, and now he's one step closer. You know, all due respect to Ricky Bandejas, good fighter. Sergio Pettis is the guy that they clearly would like to set up to, to be a star for their promotion, and that makes sense. So that's good. They kind of succeeded on that. Uh, you know, Aaron Pico got another win. Uh, Jason Jackson, who I like a lot, uh, ended up picking up a W as well. Uh, the Taiwan Claxton upset, maybe that's something to talk about. But realistically, this event was sort of just the same as any other Bellator Friday night card. You know, I, I personally would have loved to see then maybe do something a little more different, a little more interesting. That's where Bellator has always succeeded for me. I know in last week's between, between the Links, uh, there was some talk about what they could do with the fight, fight sphere and kind of this stuff and, and how the things that they do maybe don't always hit, but are at least interesting and fun. The, the quarterfinal uh, featherweight draft tournament thing, that was fun and interesting. And I would have liked to see Scott Coker go to the lab and come back with something high production, high level of interest or interesting and they didn't really do that and and that's that's where bellator's its weakest it can't meet the ufc head-to-head -head in just good old-fashioned you know fight matching uh, it, it eats around the edges it can do fun things it can do legends fights and stuff like that and so to me the bellator event even rang even more hollow or, or just wasn't as good as normal because the best bellator fight of the weekend was in the ufc it, it was Shogun Hua versus Little Nog 3. That is a classic Bellator fight that just happened to occur under the UFC banner. And so I think all things considered, it you know, it was a successful weekend for Bellator in, in accomplishing what they wanted to do kind of long term. But as far as generating interest or being even on brand, I just feel like they kind of missed. They, they had an opportunity to come back big and they sort of came back with a whimper. AK, what do you think? Judd gave it a C. What are you giving it? Dang. I'm I'm probably just a more generous grader in general, but I mean, just by the nature of being back on the air, I've got to give them at least a B minus, you know. I, my st the student tried. I mean, the student tried. I've got to, I've got to give them uh, got to give them a little more a little more love than that. I also think uh I, I do agree um Production-wise, I wish we could have seen a little more. The curtain-off thing looked kind of cool, especially with the uh, you know the championship banners they always have. There was kind of a nice contrast there, so it kind of fit the aesthetic they already have. And and maybe it's something they'll I mean I guess they can't do in the future when they actually have people back. But I I liked the 
idea. Um, you know, we always say we wish the UFC would do different stuff, and you know, at least they kind of tweaked the look, but it, it wasn't anything dramatic. Um, but yeah, just by the nature of being back, having having testing, you know, I know um, uh, they they follow on similar similar protocol to the UFC and what other um, sporting organizations have tried to do. So that's good. I mean, that that that's good. Results wise, it was a mixed bag for sure. Uh, I mean, Sergio, it, the main events. Yes, it's good to have uh, a recent signing, a recent major signing. Well, of course, Sergio Pettis, but also you sacrifice kind of a homegrown guy uh, to do that. Um, so, you know, plus and minus there. Jason Jackson winning was huge. That's the exact kind of got push. Taiwan Claxton still struggling, uh, unfortunately, and against a guy who missed weight. So that's the kind of, that definitely I would call that undesirable. And the first round finish, I mean, the guy is excitement every time, win or lose. So it was a mixed bag of results and storyline wise. I think they've kind of uh, cleared out the bantamweight title picture, which is a little, which is exciting. So I have to go B minus just on the, uh, on the fact that they're back on the air. And they got some of the fighters that I think they want to push, um, putting out some really great performances. Jed, I'm going to go back to you. Maybe AK's dial-up internet can can fire back up at a <laughs> at a ferocious pace. But you mentioned it from from an execution standpoint. You you felt like it was just like any other Bellator card. They it was a whimper, so to speak. What do they need to do better moving forward, heading into that August seventh event? They just need to be creative. I mean, I, I think they had two ways to go that would have been interesting or fun, and they chose not to do either. Now, one of them maybe is just a logistics thing. I think they took this big time gap off. I would have loved to see Scott Coker say, you know, hey, I know we took time off, but when we come back, we're coming back with a bang. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to front load a card with uh, two championship fights or, or big names, and instead – they just, again, put forth the same kind of card. Hey, here's here's a good headliner that matters to us promotionally. And the undercard, we're going to fill it up with guys we're trying to build, prospects we're trying to build. And a long-term investment strategy, that's solid. You know, getting Aaron Pico another fight where, hey, Aaron Pico uses wrestling, everybody. That's great. Um, but, you know, past that, that's there's not a buzz. No one's coming out of that weekend thinking, yeah, Bellator MMA is the thing. So if they weren't going to, you know, front load a big card like that, I would have really liked them see like to have seen them go into the other end of things. And this might be tougher to pull off, you know, but doing high end production on something, you know, the fight sphere idea. I still don't know if I understand entirely what that <laughs> means or, or what their vision for it is. It feels like it's just a response to Fight Island. But why are you overthinking it? Like Fight Island is trademarked and you can't steal that. You could do Fight Peninsula or something, you know, equally as ridiculous that's clearly biting the UFC style and then twisting the knife a little bit by actually doing something good. You saw with with Fight Island, the UFC put together some stuff. They did the octagon on the beach, but really it was just the same old dog and pony show. Whereas instead, in the in the video game, you're fighting in the Kumite in UFC four. I would have loved to see Bellator, Scott Coker just, yeah, we don't have Fight Island. We've got Fight Peninsula, and then actually make it look interesting and cool and do preloaded graphics that are different and, and just kind of bent around that. Just Again, like I said, they can't go head to head with the UFC as far as matchmaking great fights. They can do some of that. They have good fighters. Douglas Lima is maybe the best welterweight on the planet. Who can say? But where they succeed is is eating around the edges, picking up the crumbs the UFC is going to leave because they are a monolith. They're just going to do the same thing. And I would have loved to see them, you know, take a little bit more risk use more creativity, have more fun with it. Because at the end of the day, MMA is supposed to be fun. And that, you know, good good for them to get back in business. AK's got a point there, but I would have liked to see more. AK, 
to, to, to be fair, that Bellator did try to get a title fight on that card with Archuleta and Mix. They revealed on the on the broadcast that there was a positive COVID-19 test for Archuleta. So that fight didn't happen. They're hoping to book that one in September. But this is still what they had to do. They had Bandejas and Pert Pettis. They had Pico. They had Jackson. But this is pretty much the best they could come up with on such short time. And I think Jen made a great point because at least with the Fight Island thing, like, the buildup to Fight Island was better than the execution itself. Like the intrigue, the questions we all had about it, like what's it going to look like? Is there going to be octagon in the beach? Is Dana White going to have a Hawaiian shirt on with tiki torches surrounding him overlooking the octagon? And it turns out we just got like what it was. Bellator gave us no time to prepare. They're like, we're going to have this event next week. There's going to be a fight spear. And then once it was executed, like it didn't even give us time to sort of picture what it could be before they executed it. So what do they need to do better heading into this August 7th card and these upcoming events to, to put them back on the map that Bellator is the legit number two company that everyone needs to tune in on for Paramount TV every three, four weeks. That's for me, right, Mike? Correct. All right. Uh, well, like you said, promotion is a huge part of it. I don't know if I agree with Jed's assessment that they need to need to engage in dirty pool. I mean, it doesn't surprise me given who the idea is coming from, but Fight Peninsula. I mean, I do think it'd be cool if some promotion did like a, did like a bash of the beach type thing and had the sand and the, you know, the the uh, the, uh, the lifeguard sitting on deck chairs and stuff like that. And very sick. But I don't think Bellator needs to go there yet. I think just just stay the course. I know that's that's the most unsexy answer that someone can give, but they just got back on. Now they shouldn't be doing stuff like you said, uh, announcing events like two, it felt like less, maybe it was two weeks. It felt like less than two weeks before they said, Hey, here's the card. Uh, and, and all of us were just kind of like, did anyone, I, I know we're like asking other reporters, did anyone have a scoop on this? Did anyone hear this? And like, no, it just came out, which is uh, very abnormal. You know, normally you hear some sort of rumbling of some of the fights and there was just nothing. So, um, I, I'm not, I, Promotion is a thing. I, I don't know if I'm saying this is st start maybe leaking these plans a little more to us. Maybe I'm just being selfish and I want to scoop. But yeah, uh, uh, find other ways to advertise beyond just uh, an official press release two weeks before. Because that's insane. That's insane. There's there's no way. people. I guarantee so many people uh, didn't even know that Bellator had an event last Friday. As terrible as that sounds, I think your casual MMA fan, just zero clue. So uh, got up that marketing somehow. And yet they scored a B. Minus. <laughs> Minuses are real. All right. For situations like this. Just saying. Nobody knew it happened, but it gets a B. Just That's just throwing B it out there. B minus. B minus. A, a friendly B minus. All right. Well, at the end of the day, both had great answers. I gotta give it to Jed, mostly because of a AK's Wi-Fi situation, but I, I can't go with the B minus with the with the AK. I know like my opinion doesn't matter here, but Jed made some some great points. He gets the point as we head into potentially the final question of the game. AK needs this one. The UFC returns home. Fight Island is at least this time around a thing of the past. They're back in Vegas this Saturday with an event at the UFC Apex, headlined by Derek Brunson and Edmund Shabazian, and of course. The main event is fascinating, but you know me, AK. I like to dig a little bit deeper outside of the main event. And let's be honest here, you have a little bit of an advantage here going first, potentially, because if you look at this card, I think there's one under the radar fight that really sticks out to everybody. But what fight do you have circled outside of the main event? Not just from a fascination perspective, but could really steal the show on Saturday night. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with the obvious answer. And it's so obvious that I don't even know if it is flying under the radar because every time this guy fights, man, he he is must watch. And so is his opponent, uh, if people who aren't familiar. But Vicente Luque, Randy Brown, is just going to be insane. I mean, Luque already uh, in whatever, it is 10 UFC fights has just he's he is a must-see guy uh, lots of finishes uh great striking great all-around game you you know something something cool is going to happen when this guy steps in the cage he'll fight anyone he'll fight veterans he'll fight short notice guys he does not care he's a gamer of the highest order ufc loves him and uh randy brown again i, I don't know if people re- remember how that's how well this guy's been doing um you know there was that the most the most publicity he probably got was kind of the, the mickey gall uh, looking for a fight title which was cute but but kind of overshadows how how strong this guy actually is as a prospect. Um, he did suffer that kind of weird loss to, to Nico Price, but uh, back-to-back wins. Worley Alves, Brian Barberina finishes, by the way, for, for anyone who doesn't remember. So, I mean, so I'm in there with Luque. Again, I almost don't even think this is under the radar. I think this is easily has to be the second most highly anticipated fight of the night and might have even been more anticipated in the original main event of Holly Holm and Irina Aldana. I'm not sure. Jed, what do you think? I got to be honest. I'm a little surprised by AK's answer. I like I like the fight. I didn't think this was the obvious, like, this could steal the show fight, though. Really? Because when you were saying that preamble, I was like, yeah, we're all of the same opinion. AK is going to take the the conservative, smart pick, and he's going to try and get back in the win column so we can go to a tiebreaker question. And then he did that because, yeah, to me, obviously, Vincente Luque is like one of the five most exciting fighters in the sport right now. Uh, and Randy Brown is also a pretty fun fighter. And so that's that's just going to be a banger. Um, but I mean, it's not going to steal the show because how do you steal a show when people are expecting you to do it? That's not coming out of the rafters. That's, you know, that that's expected. Like it's expected for me to take this belt from AK. So no one will be shocked. No one will be surprised. We'll have fun because it's a fun fight. But I mean, I'm, I'm now trying to, to think what you think the under the radar fight is. Uh, I know the co-main event here is obviously pretty short notice, but a really good fight that's going to determine the next title challenger uh for that for that division there but i'm, I'm gonna go out of left field i'm gonna get real weird with you i'm going for a prelim bout uh and it's about that will sing to the heartstrings of both me and alex lee and he's then going to have to recognize that i've defeated him with his own game and that is ed herman versus gerald mearshart um uh, <laughs> ed herman and gerald mishart <laughs> is going to be a bad fight and it's going to be hilariously fun there's the eye poke there's the eye poke guys <laughs> just just a lobo right there Jer- second one <laughs> light heavyweight is uh frequently a disaster and this fight totally has the ability to do that gerald mishart and ed herman are both slow kind of bad athletes with good technical skills and i would argue that they're both probably i mean ed herman is definitely past his prime gerald mearshard is probably not as good a fighter as he's ever been uh and this is just going to be a fun slobber knocker they're going to get into weird scrambles because gerald mearshard is obviously a great grappler and ed herman is no slouch on the ground it's going to be a slow slugfest on the feet like an old school heavyweight awful brawl where they're both gassed after four and a half minutes and then the grappling is just gonna be super fun and ridiculous so no one is talking about this fight i'm really looking forward to it because i think it's just gonna be a really good time i recognize that you know luke randy brown i think that is the highlight of this card the co-main event should 
honestly be the main event. I, I know that that's probably not happening in, in some part just because of the short notice nature of it. But I, I believe the main event isn't even five rounds because of the short notice nature. So they could swap that. And I think I'd be happy with that. I don't know how everybody else would feel. But I mean, you know, Brunson is not whoever wins the main events, not getting a title shot off that, whereas the co-main event winner is. So I do think maybe that should be the top seed. But yeah, underdog sleeper pick. Give me Ed Herman, Gerald Mearshart for all the lulls. Wow. Rebuttal, I, Mike, Mike, I am hitting the rebuttal button. I, I don't know. I know this button doesn't work anymore. I'm no. hitting the, tra- the, the traditional between the links rebuttal button for fans who remember uh, how this show once worked. This once proud show worked before Jed Mishu came along. <laughs> Chad, you didn't even pick the weirdest fight on the prelims. I'm a little disappointed. How could you how could you go with two fake, fake uh middleweights in Ed Herman and Gerald Mearshart? When we have two real middleweights, two weirdo middleweights, Eric Spicely and uh and Marcus Perez earlier on the card. That Maluco and Eric Spicely, that's gonna be a gaggle of limbs and weirdness and maybe subpar cardio, and someone's definitely getting hit in the junk at some point. I, I I thought that's where you were going with it because that's the, that I think is the deepest bizarro cut that we can go with on Saturday. See, no, because that fight is a true middleweight fight, but the middleiest middleweight fight on the card is a light heavyweight fight. Everybody knows this. It's it's definitely Herman Mearshart. That is going to be that's not a prob a possibility of people gassing. They're going to be spent at seven minutes. <laughs> Just going to be the case. <laughs> I actually thought Bobby Green versus Lando Bonato would be, would be the, <laughs> the the problem oh, there oh, is that Bobby. What, oh, that's what you meant. <laughs> we didn't go in that direction. So it's no. okay. This is better, by the way. I heard middle of middleweights at light heavyweight in a sentence on this show. It's yeah. beautiful. The problem with Bobby Green, Lando Bonato, Lando Bonato is obviously super fun. Bobby Green's super not. <laughs> so he's he's like really good and a, a very strong, defensively solid technician. And Lando Venata might do some fun spinning stuff, but he also just won't miss or like won't hit any of that because Bobby Green won't be around for it. And that fight probably – I think that fight looks a lot more interesting on paper than it does in actuality, whereas Herman Mearshart looks like a travesty on paper and is going to be delightful in actuality. There's a lot of – there's a lot of – if they did the old you know UFC uh, naming events thing, I think this one would be called shenanigans. I think there's a lot of room for shenanigans. Uh, Kevin Holland is also fighting, by the way. You mentioned <laughs> Kevin Holland. And that guy's always up to something uh, in, in the middle of his fights, after his fights. So, man, this is a, this is a weird one uh, in, 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 like, uh, in the best possible way, I think. Man. All right. Real quick, because I feel like we should at least touch on the main event. There is one question that I do have. He's uh, Most of the chatter we've seen when it comes to this middleweight fight be an, an actual middleweight fight is, you know, what happens if Edmund Shabazian beats Derek Brunson? Like he's a guy that most people are targeting as a future world champion. And there seems to be, at least from what I've seen, a lot of people counting Derek Brunson out of this fight, despite living in these moments many of time, derailing a fair amount of hype trains along the way. What happens if Derek Brunson wins on Saturday night, Jed? I honestly, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, I'm not really anticipating him to win. I, I am, you know, call me a, a bandwagoner. I definitely think Shabazian is, is going to keep that rise right on up to the top. I don't know if he actually, you know, climbs the mountain because as we spoke earlier, I think Israel Adesanya is, is the best 185er in the world. But I do think those two are on a collision course at some point in the future. If Brunson wins, it's 
it's interesting, man, because he he'll have three in a row. I mean, that's that's a pretty good run in, in a good division, and, and not over you know uh, slouches. Elias Diodoro and Ian Heinrich are obviously pretty good fighters, respected, and much like Brunson, I, I think you're right. People are overlooking him. Um, he probably doesn't get the respect he deserves from fans, but I know fighters do respect what he can do in the cage. I think. Honestly, whoever wins this sort of feels like they're just destined to match up with Jack Hermanson, uh, and then that person will end up getting a title fight uh, because you know Robert Whitaker just got a win, but he's not really in consideration out after the the Adesanya fight. Maybe if Paulo Costa wins, they throw Whitaker back in there. But I know Cannoneer is is also at the top of, of that kind of conversation. But it feels like everybody outside of Costa is is one win away. And so I've, I think uh, whoever wins this, Brunson or Shabazian, I think they're just going to get Hermanson as a title eliminator. Uh, and, I mean, great. That's a winnable fight for Brunson, and he could finally climb that mountain and get up. Uh, and, you know, it'd be a heck of a scout for him to pick up Shabazian right now. Just finally, I, I do agree with you. Uh, just I'll, I'll wrap up here, but I agree that he has in general – done a good job of, of kind of beating some some hype trains but he's also fallen to to the best fighters he's faced and i think shabazian is is kind of in that tier so we'll see what happens though what do you think ak what if Derek brunson goes in there and breaks hearts all over the world i think in classic brunson fashion uh look he, he pushes that rock right back up to the top of that hill and we get him another another ranked opponent maybe uh, a rematch uh, against either the Uriah Hall or Yoel Romero winner probably he'd be more inclined to want to fight Romero again as opposed to Hall of course because he beat Hall and uh, the Romero fight is so much further back that he can make a very strong argument that you know oh, I'm a different fighter he's a different fighter uh, no one wants to win, fight so. Yoel Romero no oh, De- Derek Brunson would Romero. no one wants to but Derek Brunson would if it meant uh, t- taking his spot in the rankings wherever wherever Romero is now at this point uh, so no, I, I think he deserves a top 10 guy again because this will be his third straight win, I believe, um, especially if he beats a prospect like uh, like uh, Shabazian. And he'll, again, he gets another chance to try to, you know, dispel that narrative that he can't win the big one, right? I don't know how many times you can push that narrative, but it's it's there with Derek Brunson and he kind of has to own it until uh, until he doesn't anymore, right? So uh, I think he's worthy of a top 10 guy. I know, I know it's fun to keep to kind of look at him as just this glorified gatekeeper, but you, you never know when these guys are going to break through. So um, he's a little bit up there in age, but this is probably his. This probably could be his last chance this year or next year to uh, to get anywhere near a title shot. So yeah, I could see him rematching an old foe, or or uh, especially with Till Till out of possibly out of the picture with uh, with some uh, work on his knee. It's a great main event. Some fun fights on the card for sure. I think you guys sold this card better than anybody, just based on your under the radar picks for this card. But uh, in the end, the point is going to go to the champ, AK. Oh, We're going to head to the knockout round. You, you sold me so well on, on Mearshart versus Herman too, Jed, but I had to go with AK here. I'm cut. Again, it's probably one of those situations. But we're going to move to the knockout round. One final question decides it all for the whole kitten caboodle. Each of these combats will have 60 seconds to answer this question. They have no idea what that question is. After both gentlemen have the chance to answer, we will throw it to the truck to the Honorable Judge E. Casey Lydon, and he will render the final decision. AK, since you are the champion... You get the choice of going first or second. You went first last week. It was a tough-ass question. It was more about who collapsed less in those 60 <laughs> seconds as opposed to who answered the question best. What would you like to do? Michael, as you know, last week was a disaster, uh, and I chose to go first, which was probably the worst possible thing I could have done. But as you know, I never learned anything, and I am going first again. Give me the question. Wow. 
All right. I respect it. it. Bad choice. Gonna cost What you. could go I wrong twice? It. it can't go wrong twice. Think about it. Think about it. All right. Here's the question. Because this has been a crazy year for everybody. For all of us, for the UFC, for the sport in general. However, the UFC has moved forward with a lot of cards, a lot of fights, pay-per-views, etc. AK, we are approaching August. So my question is, through seven full months of action in 2020, who is right now the 2020 Fighter of the Year and why? 60 seconds on the clock, go. Oh my goodness, what a question. Uh, that, again, normally I would require a lot of research. <sighs> the clock is ticking. Correct. I'm just I'm just building up trauma at this point. Gosh, if I had to go, can, can, are we allowed to project ahead? What, however you was so far. Yeah, you've wasted twenty Look, seconds I, thinking about it. No, it's fine. Look, I like uh, I like Kamar Usman. All right, I know uh, that that the the Jorge Masvidal match was more about uh, Masvidal than it was about Usman, but. Uh, look, there's all these storylines swirling around Usman with like Colby Covington rivalry, you know, beating Woodley last time and then, and then fighting Masvidal. This guy is on his way, I think, to becoming one of the greatest welterweights of all time. And not just based on his uh, his record and who he's beaten. When you watch him, he's really revealing a lot about just what a great fighter he is. So I, I have to give him all the credit in the world for that because he keeps saying, I, I, I'm Canadian. I hate I hesitate to call anyone the next GSP. Five seconds. But if anyone is, is on their way to becoming the next GSP, Man, it might be Usman. All right. Alex K. Lee going with Kamara Usman maybe in a future sense. Jed, you got a minute to ponder this question. What do you think? Who is the 2020 Fighter of the Year to this point? I'm, I may take 30 seconds just to bask in, in Alex handing me the win. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I personally would not pick my Fighter of the Year as a guy who gave a largely just completely panned performance in what was a win and a tactical performance, but he didn't win no fans. Uh, however, I'm going to go with the guy he's fighting next because if the year stops today, Gilbert Burns has wins over Demi Amaya and Tyron Woodley. I mean, if you're just talking about what you've accomplished, that's it. I do think maybe there's an outside argument, honestly, for Kamzat uh, uh, Chimiev, just because of what he's done in the last 10 days. It's insane, and he's gonna get another fight in August, apparently. But I mean, Gilbert Burns has looked sensational since moving up, and he's looked even better just this year. He went from being an also-ran lightweight, he is now the number one contender with a bullet at welterweight, Five and he seconds. gets a chance to upset Kamaru Usman, who maybe is on his way to being the next GSP, or maybe he's on his way to being the third victim of Gilbert Burns. Oh man, Casey, the decision comes down to you. I don't know. This one seems maybe easy to me. What do you think, Judge Casey Lydon? Who is the champ? You know, I've had a bunch of stressful calls in the last few weeks, but it's nice. It's nice to have a week off. This is a, this is gonna be. <laughs> This is the, this, this one's not too this one's not too difficult. Your winner and new Woo! Jed Mashu. MMA fighting baby, yeah. And new, congratulations, sir. Look, wow. AK, AK, AK looking around. <laughs> you showed a championship caliber, you know, contendership, a heart. You, can't, you battled back from an early down, battled back again after I took the third, but 
the Usman, Usman Archer. Jed, look, you know I'm nothing but class. Uh, so having to hand over the championship to you is a bitter pill to swallow. I will be sending in a formal complaint to the commission. There was definitely some questionable moves. I would have liked to have seen a point deducted. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I'm, I, that's it. I have nothing else to say. I, this is your moment. This is your moment. Whatever. You, Whatever. Give, you, give him the mic. Whatever. It is your moment, Jed. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not supposed to talk. With that, you don't get any money. You don't get uh, an actual title belt. Hopefully, we could make something happen in the near future. But uh, you do get 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you would like to talk about in this great sport of ours. Good, bad, indifferent. You want to use that time to talk about AK, your opponent? The floor is yours. Look, AK, uh, great guy. He and I have worked together a long time. You can come. I'm going to be a fighting champion, so you can come challenge whenever you'd like, whenever whenever the powers of BC fit. With my remaining seconds, I'd just like to shout out Shogun Hua and Little Nog. That fight was probably everyone's worst thing coming into this weekend. It ended up being super fun, and uh, don't want to ever see either of them fight again, but I think that'd be a great way for Shogun to also end his career. I know he seems like he's not going to do that, but... Please walk away, Shogun. That that's as good a way to end your career as, as possible. Little Nog stepping out, you know, with a loss, but on top, I'd like to see him do the same. Well said, AK. You are no no longer the champion. Any final thoughts on this week's episode? Welcome to hell, Jed. All right. <laughs> you think it's e- you think it's easy wearing this crown? It's heavy, brother. It's heavy. It's all yours. I got I got sturdy neck muscles. I'm ready. <laughs> well. Good run, AK. You'll be back, I'm sure. Jed, congratulations. The new BTL champion of the universe. He gets it done. And who will he defend against next week? We're going to have to dig deep, maybe outside of the MMA fighting camp, because I'm sure the the, the people are going to want to step up and, and take the title off one of the most fiery and outspoken members of this media space. So congratulations on the win. And that's it. Another episode of Between the Links is in the books. For AK, for Jed Mishu, our new champion, big shout out to the truck, Casey Lydon for the production, Esther Lynn on the graphics in the open. I am Mike Heck. We'll see you back here next week. We'll go back once again Between the Links. I love you guys. This has been Between the Links with your host, Mike Heck. Brought to you by MMA Fighting, a production of Vox Media. Vox Media Podcast Network.